Hello, saints. Well, if you're uncomfortable with that. Hello, sinners. Hello. All right. We're in the right crowd. Here I am. Out of curiosity, I Googled the phrase this week. It's been a popular song title. Artists such as Brian Adams and Air Supply have used it. It's even a gangster rap song title by Rick Ross. Dolly Parton uses the phrase for a title of a documentary on her life's journey. As romantic songs, it seems to be used as a lament to the word, here I am, brokenhearted. Rick Ross uses it to announce to the world, hey, here I am, I've arrived. Dolly Parton wants it to reflect her life's experiences and how they brought her to where she is today as a performer, an artist, a feminist, and a Christian. Each one uses the phrase one way or another to announce they are here. It's a hymn in our faith tradition, and we often use it during confirmation and ordination ceremonies to pronounce our faith. Here I am, ready to serve. These are recognizable words in our Bible tradition, and I investigated it a little. The phrase, here I am, appears over 800 times in the Old Testament. It's Joseph's response to his father Jacob when he calls to check on his other sons and his flock. Jacob calls, and Joseph responds, here I am. And Jacob sends him out to check on his brothers. And as you recall, that begins for Joseph a most tumultuous life's journey. Most notably, we recognize it as Isaiah's response to God's call. When Isaiah experiences a vision that has him in the throne of the God Most High. These two readings selected for today's lectionary are the focus very clearly upon the action of being called and the responses of Isaiah and Peter. Being called. Now what does that mean? It would be an understatement to suggest that being called is different from each of us. A call to ministry such as the one Pastor Ryan has, has answered is different from what Rob Walters has responded to in leading our music ministry or that Vanya has answered to lead in our youth ministry. Chris Goodyear loves to do the work of a deacon, so he has responded differently from the others. John, Tricia, and Valerie have responded to calls by bringing their strengths to the congregation by leading Bible studies. Steve and Bruce tend to the physical plant of our church to make sure we have a well-maintained structure within to worship and bring our ministries to the community. And let's not forget how we use the buildings. We house the food pantry, which brings food to the needy in Long Valley. We allow the community groups to use, their, use it for their activities. All these ministries have responded in different ways to answer a call to ministry. It is, as Paul suggests, we all have different strengths to exploit, and employing them all is what builds up the body of the church. We have heard, many have heard God's call, and many have stepped forward to find some way in this church community to be a part of the work of the body. Hearing or experiencing a call 
can be different from each of us. Take Isaiah. He sees a vision. And that vision, he sees the God Most High sitting on a throne. God is attended by seraphs. And they are calling out praises to God Most High. Their voices are so powerful that the sound shakes the foundations of the throne room. Isaiah feels and sees all this and falls prostrate to the ground and cries out, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. In other words, I am not worthy. I am not clean. I am a lowly human of a people who are unclean. He must be thinking to himself, what am I doing here? Isaiah might be suggesting, if anyone is unworthy of being brought into the presence of the Lord, it is me. Does that describe you? I know sometimes it describes me. Yet, yet, that doesn't seem to bother God. God does not look down on the lowly, the sinners in the room, and grunt at our lack of worthiness. God sees within each of us a talent and an ability to contribute to God's plan of bringing all creation to shalom, back into God's peace. One of the servants comes down to Isaiah who is lying face down on the ground and puts a coal to his lips to purify him, to make him worthy. This is an act clearly initiated by the God Most High. For it is God's grace only, God's grace and mercy, that can purify us of our sins. And what is the significance of this? It can be suggested that this is no mere coal. It is a symbolic representation of the Messiah, Yeshua, that is Jesus. It is symbolic in that it displays how something so very low, a mere coal, is raised up to the heights of being able to forgive and wash away the stain of sin. That is a foreshadowing of the ultimate work of the Christ. So here is Isaiah. Here in Isaiah, we have both a messianic prophecy, the forgiveness of sins, and an example of how one should respond to that forgiveness and that cleansing. After receiving God's mercy, when God calls and asks, Isaiah responds, here I am, send me. He has gone from woefully, from woeful to boldly filled with grace. Now what happens when God calls us? I'm not going to suggest to you that there might be a dramatic, earth-shaking event like Isaiah experienced before the throne as a sign that you were being called. That, that would just be too easy, wouldn't it? I mean, it would make it easy for us to refuse a call. If it isn't bombastic enough, then it 
must not be a call. Instead of committing when we're asked to serve, we simply respond, well, the earth didn't move. I mean, picture Joanne Schott coming up to you and asking if you would serve on a member of some work group within the ministry of the church. And you, you put out your hands to steady yourselves. And then you look around, and when nothing happens, you respond, well, no, I don't think I should. I, I should wait. So that would just make it too easy. No, it might be something simpler, like Jesus suggesting to Peter, hey, that spot, that spot looks good. Go fish over there. And that's when we experience something, feel something. And a bell of recognition goes off in our heads and we realize that that very quiet, very small, faint voice of God has called. In the gospel passage from Luke this morning, many people refer to this amazing catch of Peter's as a miracle. I read a commentary that said there are three conditions for a miracle. And the first is that the eye needs to see. And what I mean by that is we have to take the time to see what's happening around us. We need to see the need. We need to see the hurt. We need to see the places to which God is pointing us. Take, for example, Jesus' suggestion to Peter that he fish in some spot over there. Now, we can think that Jesus miraculously created a shoal of fish in that spot and directed Peter to fish in it. But I think that would be missing the miracle. The miracle, I think, is in Peter's response. The truth is Lake Genesaret was teeming with fish, and it is acknowledged that from the shoreline you could actually see shadowed areas so densely filled with fish that they would be jumping into your boat. <clears throat> and all Jesus needed to be was observant. Jesus observed that the conditions were right for an abundant catch, and an exhausted Peter just could not see that. He thought it was hopeless. The night was a loss. Fishing in the morning would be hopeless. But Jesus had an eye for the possible. So now step two. There needs to be a spirit willing to make an effort. Peter was exhausted. It was early morning. They had been fishing all night, and now they were cleaning their nests, which signified an end to their workday. What was next was a meal and sleep. But Jesus, this, this teacher, surrounded by people on the shore, was telling him to go out and fish over there in that spot. If Peter wasn't willing... If Peter gave in to his exhaustion, if Peter said, you know what, Mr. Preacher Man, I work long hours and I don't have the time to go chasing your fantasies. 
If Peter responded in that way, there would have been no miracle. But no, Peter responds. Peter responds with the spirit that is willing to attempt what seems hopeless. That's step three. Many times that is what church work, what servant work is like. We could have looked at the need for food in our community years back and said, you know what? There are just too many people who need assistance. We can't possibly provide for all of them. It's bigger than us. It's a job for one of those bigger Catholic churches. They have more people. They are better equipped. If LVPC had that attitude years ago, we would never have built the coalition of congregations known as LVCAP that now provides food security for more than 100 families locally. There was a spirit willing to attempt the hopeless. About a decade ago, LVPC decided to become involved in a ministry to the Dominican Republic. We partnered with the Foundation for Peace. Frank Speranza and Dave Wiper had a lot to do with that. And the Sullivan family became an integral part of its work. It started small. We were helping a struggling congregation to build a place of worship. That was their hopeless dream. We were pointed to a spot and told to build there. The work was slow. It was tedious. It was all backbreaking manual labor. They started digging a foundation and then the next year laying concrete block and then in the next year's building walls and then a floor and a ceiling until after many, many years, they had built a church, a place of worship in a spot where there was nothing before. When that was finished, they began a second building. The first building was already being used as a community center to provide for the needed health services that the community needed. And the new building would become a new sanctuary. And that's when I I finally dragged my sorry butt down to participate. It was an unbelievable experience. The timing wasn't perfect. I had to take time off from work, as did Frank and Chris and Steve and Dave. But we were there... When we finished building a church, we poured the floor and the ceiling with concrete bucket by bucket. I can remember passing buckets to Mike and to Dave, and we did it for hours every day for several days until ultimately the work was completed and we were able to participate in the first worship service in that new house of God. What seemed hopeless more than a decade before had become a community and worship centers for that community. The circumstances were not perfect for Peter. Peter wasn't coming off a good night's sleep. It was the opposite. He was exhausted because he was working all night. He was dead tired. But Peter had a spirit that was alive. Was something stirred in him by the words Jesus was teaching from the boat? We don't know. Luke doesn't tell us what Jesus was teaching that day. 
But whatever it was, whatever was said, it stirred in Peter a spirit of willingness, a spirit to act. Peter responded to what might have been hopelessness with a willingness to act. Now, this speaks to us today about when and how and why we should respond or do not respond to a call. Sometimes we wait for the perfect set of circumstances. Sometimes we expect a call that should be like it was for Isaiah, that the earth should shudder, that there should be visions of angels swirling around overhead, that the circumstances would finally be that we are rested, that we are finally financially secured, that we are available because our kids have moved on and are setting up their own households. Sometimes we were thinking we should wait for the circumstances to be perfect. But you know what? The circumstances will never be perfect. We will never be rested enough. We will never be financially secure enough. We will always find a reason that our kids need our help. If we wait for the perfect time, if we wait for an Isaiah moment, then nothing will happen. We would have missed the opportunity to see with our eyes the hopeless situation that Jesus is calling us to. We would be burying within us the spirit that burns to be fired up and set free. We need to make the effort to see and do the impossible. We must take Jesus at his word when he bids us to attempt the impossible. We need to be faithful to the possible in hopeless impossibilities. When we hear that we, small voice of God, ask, who shall I send? We need to respond, here I am, send me.